Hello and welcome to episode number 254 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I am fantastic. (laughs) We are both in a great mood um, for things not to do with horror movies for a change. Um, To do with sports, which we're not going to talk about because I'm sure there's plenty of people that don't care. But uh, we are two extremely happy Englishmen this evening. So, um, yeah, yeah, we're on. on I'm going to be on this high for a while. And, yeah, I can't wait to talk about some films. I can't Um, wait to talk about Wes Craven. I mean, one of my favorite things to talk about. Exactly. This is a great time to do this. Obviously, we've been on a really awesome roll in the last sort of six or seven weeks of covering new stuff, which for the most part has been fantastic. It's really been a huge return for the genre um, and the film right. industry as a whole. Feels like it's finally <laughs> awakened after a year. It's mm-hmm. been a while, um, but it's been awesome. I've been loving it. And um, but we kind of had a little bit of a quiet week this week, and we thought, well. July looks very busy, and we haven't done a ranking Wes Craven for about uh, eight weeks now. Um, the last one was obviously Deadly Blessing. And uh, we want to continue with Swamp Thing, because this is the mm. first of these films that we both have never seen before. Very exciting um, times. So, yeah, we I know we both watched this on Blu-ray over the past week, and I'm sure we have plenty of thoughts about it. Um, but first, we need to go in the news, as always. There's only a little bit this week, actually. Um but kicking things off, there was a gigantic trailer that came out in the past week that oh, I'm boys. sure everyone has already seen. This was bizarre how it literally <clears throat> came out of nowhere. Um, mm. I was just like randomly on Twitter one night quite late and it just I just saw it on my feed and I was like, because we're so used to the whole yeah, announcement for an announcement. Yeah, like, a, like two seconds of the trailer. I literally saw it earlier today that the Don't Breathe 2 trailer comes out tomorrow. So yeah. we'll have that to look forward to next week. Um, but yeah, there's always announcements. And then this seemed to, it was attached to the Forever Purge as well. Mm. Um, so it's bizarre that they, this wasn't like a hyped up thing, especially after people have wanted it for so long. Um, I don't even know if I've actually said the name of the film, um, but it is Halloween Kills. Um, arguably one of the most kind of anticipated horror movies of the year for most people um and this pretty long trailer like two and a half minutes um what did you what did you make of it um it showed me well first of all like i was surprised by how much it kind of is halloween one to halloween two it it picks (laughs) up the same night kind of Mm. pretty much in the trailer the the burning building and kind of that whole scene straight after um which kind of made me groan a little bit because I kind of wanted it to be very much its own thing. But as the trailer went on, um, the big thing, obviously, like what they've been talking about is just he just kills a shit ton of people in this trailer. And uh, um, that's what gets gets me excited because that was the best part of the first movie. And um, I want Michael Myers to be Michael Myers. And the thing that's annoying about Jamie Lee Curtis in these movies is that she is such a um you know uh battle you know battle worthy opponent for him and they will always have a backwards and forwards and then suddenly she has all of these other strodes around her and 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 you know none of them are you know it's almost like with with the new screen movie you know if you have one of our big characters on screen they're not all going to get wrecked like that just isn't going to happen but then mm. if you've got just a load of randomos then they're probably all going to get wrecked and like that's what i want from halloween like i want I want the the Jamie Lee Curtis and her family to be in the hospital for like most of this movie, just mm. like talking <laughs> about getting Michael, and then Michael can just be out there just wrecking people. Because yeah, from what I saw of that, that looked great. You know, th- there's just something you know special about seeing Michael Myers um, doing what he does, and and yeah, I, I just want loads of that. And the, and the trailer gave me loads of that, and and yeah, I just really hope the movie delivers on it as well. Yeah, it was an interesting one, really. Like, I agree with what you said. And it is funny how they kind of, you know, have retconned all the sequels. And then this is so similar to Halloween 2 with, mm. with like, you know, Laurie waking up at the hospital and all that stuff. Um, So it is interesting they've gone that route. But, yeah, I agree with you. Like, the actual just Michael wrecking shop in Haddonfield does look awesome. And I'm with you that I really hope this isn't as plot heavy as kind of the first movie and trying to be, like, tying things together over 40 years and all that stuff where, it, you know, you've kind of you've established a characters at this point you can just have fun with it and that seems to have been what they've been saying for a while so i hope they stand by that um 
but uh what i will say in terms of like the format of the trailer and this has nothing to do with the quality of the films or anything like that but this is this is the type of trailer that i don't like mm. um it's extremely formulaic it's told pretty much in like chronological order by the looks of it of yeah. like what's going to happen in the movie you know they get picked up in the hospital they go to the hospital oh, in an ambulance they go to the hospital he the, the firefighters are there he attacks the firefighters he breaks out he goes to haddonfield like already from the first minute of the trailer you get a real sense of what the his, first his hour of the movie are following a straight line to his house yeah right? and... and then we see a strode uh the, the youngest daughter the granddaughter in a house confronting michael mm. and then clearly jamie lee comes up and pulls his mask off like <laughs> yeah. that, you know that is clearly like later part of the movie yeah mm. and then like seeing all of that stuff it's yeah and it's all in order as well it just it feels all very like obvious and i think that was when i talked about last night in soho recently of why that's Mm. my idea of a perfect trailer Mm. is because like plot wise i couldn't tell you what's happening it just gave me the mood and setting the imagery yeah and it just told me the idea of what that movie is without necessarily going into like characters and plot and that's where trailers are Mm. you need to make that distinction because Mm. Time and time again, we have seen trailers that are fantastic that don't go into plot, um, and this one clearly does. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm excited for it. Obviously, I've not been—I wasn't a fan of Halloween 2018. I'm in the vast, vast minority of that. Um, I'm I'm excited to rewatch the movie in the coming months um, and hope that I'll have a different opinion. And it's funny because like. I knew I was in the minority at the time, um, and I really thought over the course of the years I'd be proven to be in the majority, and that's not been the case at all. Mm. Like, I really thought over time people would be like, yeah, it wasn't as good as we thought. It was just kind of like the hype, and everyone was excited for Michael. But I'm still seeing on, like most you know weekly basis people mm. are like halloween 2018 was such a great movie and i'm like man it, it really wasn't like i'm happy that you guys enjoy it i'm not trying to be a hater i just didn't think it was that great of a film um but uh i'm i'm excited for the sequel like i say i I'm hope really they leave fine. all that baggage at the door and i hope it is just a lot of michael wrecking shop because that would be really fun um yeah that scene with the firefighters looked insane yeah because there was just like multiple people in front of him and he just got like circular saw like grabbing <laughs> a pickaxe and just all of these like i'm like who who's got a circular saw and a pickaxe out when the building's just like rubble at this point but mm. fair play term it's great for michael um, yeah yeah I, i'm yeah I, i'm really excited for this one you know like i say the of all these kind of old school franchises to see one of them still there and still being a juggernaut is mm. great and so yeah i'm i'm buzzed and the second they kind of start playing that music you just get the tingles don't you Oh yeah, the soundtrack was phenomenal in this trailer. Again, like again, another different version of the theme that just worked. So yeah, I love that. Um, but yeah, moving on, we have uh, some announcements of some Blu-rays um, in the past oh. week. Um, courtesy of arrow this time they kind of announced their september slate i believe this was Mm -hmm. and they have really been on a roll and i think that's the reason why i wanted to kind of put this in here is like the last few have really turned it around because i think they were quite quiet for a little while and kind of you know pandemic and everything else you kind of have to take that for what it is but they've really locked down and they've internally they've internally kind of restructured from Mm. from what i kind of heard when i had my issues with distribution that they were moving warehouse and getting to a bigger place and it really felt like they just had like one person managing everything while they were everyone (laughs) else was moving them to their new place and so yeah it feels like that's now finished and they're kind of bigger and better because of it yeah and they're backing it up with movies that people want and i think this is such a big announcement again and kind of yeah the main draw there was plenty of stuff in here that looked great and obviously there's always going to be the extremely niche stuff which arrow should always do it's great that they do that um mixed with obviously like the bigger obvious releases like a tremors for example but yeah this time um it is a children of the corn um which is really special for two reasons actually um so it's kind of come into 4k for the first time which is great anyway um and then it seems like this is just a uk only thing which is a little bit of a bummer but obviously good yeah. for us is that you can get a free film trilogy set so it's the the children of the corn trilogy um the first movie in 4k the other two on blu-ray um mm-hmm. which is incredible and did, was it was it literally just last week when we were talking about yeah, like arrow box last week where we were saying that like how special the hellraiser and the house one was mm. that, that it's so nice having these movies and when you get what was the one we were talking about phantasm it was, as well um, wasn't it oh yeah and phantasm yeah oh yeah. god how can i forget phantasm <laughs> no we were talking about a movie that came out like an old one and we were like oh it's a shame that like 
Oh, it wasn't it like Scream is getting 4K? Yeah, and we talked about the uh, Maniac Cop yeah. finally coming yeah, to Blu-ray Maniac as well. Cop, yeah, it's like you know, it's it's it, you know, it's fantastic when you get a collection. And yeah, we were saying how like Arrow did that for so long and haven't done one for a while, and yeah, mm. suddenly Bosch. So, so yeah, I, I pre-ordered straight away. Like I was like, I need to like if I'm gonna say that I want them to do this and then they do it, I have to like back that up. So yeah, I can't wait. Um, yeah, this was an awesome I've, announcement. Yeah, I've not. I've seen the first Children of the Corn. I mm. have the trilogy on DVD, but I, I, I think I only ever watched the first movie. Um, and it wasn't that like I didn't dislike, you know, I didn't, um, I hated it or anything. It was just that I, you know, for some reason never watched the other ones. So yeah, I'm pretty buzzed just to kind of obviously get a 4K is, is sick and, and see it like that. And then, and then obviously just to see these other two movies, because I don't think I've ever seen two and three. Yeah, I was going to ask you your thoughts kind of on, on the franchise. Yeah. Like cause it I is. Did, yeah, like if I did slap them on, like I might have done because I've had the trilogy. I had the trilogy for the longest time uh, back when I was DVD hoarding. But um, yeah, I I have no memories of second and third one if I have seen them. But I don't think I even put them on. Um, but yeah, I've definitely seen the first one. Um, yeah, again, I've not, I don't remember it much. I've not seen any of these movies, and mm. it's it's bizarre because they were kind of on my radar from an extremely young age. I remember mm. watching horror movies for the first time, and when you're first being introduced to like the classics of like you're watching Halloween and you're watching Dawn of the Dead, I remember a lot of people saying, "Oh, Children of Corn is fantastic," but it was the mm. case of I knew nothing about it. The name was bizarre to me; I had no idea what the hell that even meant. And then I remember kind of being in the kind of video stores and seeing the cover and it and it being to me very reminiscent of like the omen and mm. you know with like the creepy kid and that, that i just don't really like that sort of thing and again that could be literally nothing to do with the movie because i don't know anything about it but that always turned me away from it but yeah i i yeah. really want to see this because it is one of the few kind of stephen king things i've just never seen any of it and i know that it mm. gets talked about a lot um so yeah this is this is such a great announcement and there's yeah, some other cool. stuff in there that looked really good as well um also the thing for you um linda hamilton's like the lead in it so that's is she like, all right yeah. that's cool so that, so nice. I, well at least like one of the main characters yeah one yeah. of the main adults so that's so that's pretty sick for you to see yeah like pre what was it yeah so i think this was when did this come out i don't know if it's pre-terminator but certainly pre-terminator 2 like yeah so yeah that's awesome uh, i'm looking yeah, forward to wait. it um, yeah shame they didn't get all of the children of corns though because there is like a shit ton of them is there? Oh, yeah, like, but is it? Is it like Halloween, like, um, Hellraiser like, though? Where yeah, is it like? like is any of them even watchable? <laughs> yeah, God knows. But because I remembered, like, when I had my trilogy, think then like looking at it and being like, oh, there's a Children of the Corn six or whatever. <laughs> yeah, beggars can't be choosers. I'm happy with the trilogy. I think it um, might be called Children of the Corn six six six, which is nice. which is pretty incredible. That is good, yeah. And that leans um, into the other thing I thought of. So, it, so it, oh, I don't really want to get into a conversation about Children of the Corn, but like, is is it similar to like the Omen? Would you say or not at all? Um, kind of. It's it's right. kind of um. Oh god, what's that? Nick Cage, a Wicker Man. Yeah. Okay. Kind of right. The, the, this couple goes to a remote village, and mm. it's kind of got a cult, but kind of right. run by native. But basically, I think it's everyone over the age of eighteen has to be killed. So the right. children have taken over the village and killed all the adults. Um, and then they're hunting down these last couple of people. See, I'm definitely into that sort of thing more now. Like, I think ha- yeah. had I watched that younger, that wouldn't have been my sort of thing at all. Yeah. But kind of like post midsummer and stuff, I'm kind of yeah more down for something like that. Um, mm. But yeah, this is a great announcement. So definitely. shout out to all of the kind of amazing Blu-ray companies that just keep giving us yeah. fantastic releases. Definitely, um, and like with Arrow as well, the the other releases were kind of like some of these really obscure movies that I've never heard of, mm. but sounded cool. And I'm definitely going to want to try to pick up like when there's a Arrow sale or something or a two for one offer. Yeah, there's one called Death Screams that looks yeah, really that was cool. The one. Yeah, I was uh, like, oh, I've never heard of this. It looks it looks like ropey as all shit, um, but it <laughs> looks like it's really got a good restoration. So yeah, I'm I'm down. Yeah, they're, they're um, I think it's in July or it might be August. Their release of Dune has me really interested as well because yeah. obviously that's like classic '80s movie that I've never seen, and obviously no, the I've remake's coming out later mm. this year, which looks fantastic. So I'm kind of like intrigued on that as well. But I'm like, oh, I shouldn't really. I should just like rent it. It'll be a lot cheaper. But yeah, um, it does. The just the actual limited edition of that looks so nice. Limited um, edition looks fantastic. It's just not my cup of tea, really. Yeah um but yeah that's all great news and then lastly i just threw this one in here just because it's so random and it's just a fun <laughs> little one really um so it's about the franchise uh known as willie's wonderland um nice. which so it's what not a sequel franchises 
yeah, I'm just going to throw that out there right now, just to before people get excited. Cause is it this isn't about. One? It depends. <laughs> well, how do you want to? How do you want to see that prequel? <laughs> do you um, want to read it? I, I would no. I would like a movie. Okay, you're not getting that. Um, no, so I don't want a comic book. Yeah, that's what you're getting. So <laughs> I just wanted to throw this in here just because obviously you you see these kind of weird spin off comics on you know based on mm. movies literally all the time, and and I avoid them mostly. But I want to throw this in there because it's wild that it's happening for such a small indie movie first of all that mm-hmm. literally just came out um and second of all the fact that it is a prequel to the movie i think is really exciting because obviously that was one of the things that was so great about the movie and we talked about at the time that it actually had a surprisingly mm. deep story had a really great kind of mythology and mm. was perfectly open for a prequel to tell the story of what happened at willie's wonderland um and it's cool to at least see that told in some form um i'm probably never gonna read this but it's cool (laughs) that this exists and i hope that it at least yeah kind of keeps it on you know Mm. you know out there because like i would love to see an actual prequel for that movie i I thought it was a fun enough movie that they that they deserved that um but yeah that's very cool indeed uh but yeah that is the news for this week shall we talk about this week's film let's do it let's talk about swamp thing So yeah, this is a pretty bizarre one in the kind of series so far, I guess, of ranking Wes Craven. Yeah. Obviously, we <clears throat> kick things off with the kind of the cult classics, as they were, The Hills of Eyes, The Last House on the Left. Obviously, we've had, uh, what, Deadly Blessing, um, mm-hmm. which that was a fun one as well, because yeah, I, I obviously hadn't seen it, but kind of... Swamp Thing is really weird because mm. I've been aware of this. Um, obviously, re- very recently, there was the kind of TV show mm-hmm. adaptation of this. And so that got people referencing it again. And I always heard that it was like, oh, yeah, Wes Craven made a, I guess, superhero movie in some ways. Um, <laughs> because obviously this is based upon a DC comic um, character called Swamp Thing. Mm. Um, and it kind of predates. This is kind of like post the early superman movies um but way before obviously the first batman and like way before you know superheroes on screen became a thing like we see today um this is the very early trappings of that um and yeah kind of 1982 obviously wes um wrote and directed this one Mm -hmm. um and this was like a more different direction for him at the time you could kind of see that with deadly blessing as well where he was it seemed at the time that he didn't want to be just the horror guy um, Mm -hmm. and didn't want to be the kind of shock guy, I guess, with what happened with his first two movies. And this is him kind of being a bit more mainstream, um, which I think is interesting. As we unpack the movie, though, it does kind of get more hilarious, really. Mm. I think that, yeah, like the, the version we saw is the director's cut, like higher rated version, but clearly there was a much more cut, edited version that came out to cinemas mm. that was doesn't really feel like a Wes Craven movie and then suddenly you get some of this other stuff in here and I'm like he just can't help himself can he like <laughs> yeah. he's, he's trying to make a a, a family movie and a, and a comic book movie and like with these kind of like there's a lot of weird cuts in this that are very mm. like almost like the Batman TV show cuts yeah um, and it's trying to be a bit zany but then it has this kind of haunting soundtrack and then just like some of these very kind of you know over the top uh you know just just more more than the violence i mean there definitely is some violence in here but more just the nudity that just snuck into this was was a real kind of shock for me for for something that i was expecting to be more of a a mainstream movie and then the the version we've got it it, you know I, i found that strange i wasn't expecting it it kind of sneaks in like an hour into the movie and it was like oh wes just became wes for like a little bit <laughs> yeah it's really bizarre so like you say we we both watched this on blu-ray um the kind of 88 films blu-ray in the uk um the, so this is called the full uncut and uncensored european cut of the film mm. um it's a 15 in the uk on the back mm. and obviously when yeah like you say when this came out it was a pg um but it did have some nudity i'm informed like the original release now i 
I have no idea to what extent, and I can tell you, having now watched this film, that it's definitely not to the extent that this film was. Um, but and there has been controversial uh, controversy surrounding the releases of this, where there was like videotapes. Yeah, there was like when this came to video, mm. or I think it was when it was shown on TV. One of the two, I think it was mm. video, and um, it was like PG, and so people rented it for their children. And then it had a lot of the more uncut stuff that we've now seen, mm-hmm. and they had to like recall tapes and re-license them and all of that stuff. So there has been a lot of controversy, like always with Wes. So you know, very different um, controversies because normally it's the case of him trying to have to cut stuff to actually get a rating. Um, whereas this wasn't a case of this, you know, got an X rating or anything like that. It was even banned like some of his previous films. This was more just he wanted to make a PG family friendly movie. And like you say, he still ended up making, I guess, a half step between the two. It's kind of like half horror at times, half exploitation um, and very 80s as well Christ, in so yeah. many ways um, and so I, I reflective of the time. I genuinely think he made a PG and then thought, Do you know what, I'm going to film this shit. And I'm just going to sneak it in here and there just to fuck with the ratings board because I hate him that much. Because he hated him so much. Yeah. I, I, I honestly think he just filmed, filmed some of these scenes just to do that. Yeah, um, I hope that's it is, true. It's very, it's a very, it's so strange. Um, and, and obviously as well, like, it's a return to David Hess being in the movie as well. Yeah. Um, which is kind of pretty, pretty cool seeing him again um, in, in a Wes movie um I, I kept i kept waiting for michael berryman to turn up um but, but unfortunately it did not happen yeah after all like just the random military guys in this movie i'm like how is one of them not michael berryman yeah, um yeah. bruno should have definitely been michael berryman <laughs> but uh but yeah now. what what is this movie actually about then oh christ i don't even know <laughs> <laughs> um did you pay good attention to the kind of splash screen at the start that just gives you all the information you could possibly need? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I, I, I looked up and was like, hang on, I should have read that. I shit you not. So, yeah, I, didn't, I mean, I didn't... that was so weird. I, I, we may as well talk about it now because I've just brought it up. But that was a really weird way to start this movie. Mm. Like a bunch of text on screen that was talking about the battle between good and evil and creating this monster. And I don't know about you, but I thought it was filling us in on the story so far. Yeah. So I was like reading it like, oh, okay, so they've kind of like something happened and this swamp thing was recreated. Because obviously I've mm. seen like the cover of the film, you know, so I'm expecting a creature from the Black Lagoon-esque creature. Yeah. Um, the movie's called and... Swamp Thing. We know yeah. we're getting a swamp monster like, exactly. at some point. This wasn't a completely blind viewing, shall we say? Oh. And um, so, yeah. And but then to see that text on screen at the start, I was like, oh, okay, we're just jumping right in. And then it wasn't oh. until probably five minutes before he became the Swamp Thing when I was like, oh no, this has been like the, the origin story. Yeah, this has been the origin for the first thirty minutes. Yeah. So what the hell was the point of all the text on I the know. screen? <laughs> it was so it was so strange, and because yeah, we're, we're joined in this kind of. Uh, world where there is a a, a a scientist lab in this swamp along mm. with a very strong military contingent <laughs> and they are fighting each other for like <laughs> i guess i guess like there's been a scientific breakthrough mm. and and the scientists have, have made the breakthrough and are working on it and this mili- this kind of military group are trying to kind of come in and steal the research research and take it for themselves and it's kind of you know, it's kind of what you see in a lot of these kind of movies when mm. you have this conflict kind of fighting kind of forces. You know, we've seen it in kind of like King Kong movies and, and stuff like, you know, just yeah. weird things like Tomb Raider movies and that sort of stuff where you have kind of these, you know, two people fighting for the same thing. Um, and you have like the scientists who are doing it for the good and the joy yeah. of discovery. And then you just have the military people that just want the monetary gain from it, basically, yeah. and the power gain. Yeah, yeah. They want to make a weapon. And, yeah. um, so so yeah we kind of um we we see a little bit with the military in the first kind of opening scene and then we kind of meet um what is it it's alice and yeah doc- oh, i don't think she's a doctor is she she's just she's just i think she's a scientist I yeah think. but she, yeah they don't call her like doctor but then there's dr yeah. holland who's kind yeah. of the um the main researcher and we join kind of we get our kind of walk through with alice She's just joined the, the medical facility or the research facility, and um, she's picked a pretty shitty time to arrive. Um, uh, initially starts good, where they make a big breakthrough in whatever this weird reanimator-style liquid that they've um, discovered. And But the military rocks up and basically destroys the facility, 
and um with so then dr dr holland does he take some of the um medicine uh some of the some of this kind of liquid or is it that he just kind of like gets caught in the explosion with it i was unclear how he kind of it's got... very unclear i, it, I didn't see like... him drink it i don't think i no. think it was more a case of he like chucked it over himself i think yeah because subsequently we kind of see people drinking but but yeah at this point um yeah he he basically gets infected with the substance and gets set on fire seemingly kind of fallen into the swamp for his demise um but yeah pretty soon after he comes back as the swamp thing um and it's then kind of him aiding kind of alice uh trying to get her out of the swamp and him fighting the military as the swamp thing monster for, for effectively the rest of the movie mm. um and um yeah i i guess that that that's it in a nutshell it's um it's a real strange kind of one to watch uh having watched kind of as much of Wes Craven's filmography, this this is kind of like it, it is like what I what I thought it would be like such a weird kind of tangent to that. Mm. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like a Wes movie. <clears throat> like I think mm. that was my biggest takeaway from it was that there's there's some good and bad in here which we'll get to, but I think the the direction was something that was just like really unimportant in this movie like mm. e even with something like deadly blessing that we discussed where there was so much of it that stood out in you know direction and kind of like his shot choices and obviously yeah, you could see yeah, yeah you could see that through line to a nightmare on elm street whereas this is so bizarre and it it just feels like a different type of movie that a lot of people were making at the time um but not wes wes wasn't making kind of like purposefully slapstick horror um and more child-friendly or family-friendly horror, which is what this feels like. Um, so it's a real, it's a really weird film in his filmography. And it's so weird when you think about the fact that this was literally the last movie he did before making A Nightmare on Elm Street, where yeah. it's yeah. it's so bizarre yeah, to think Vice, that that's what... Uh, no, no, Nightmare on Elm Street is Hills of Ice, what, Hills of Ice 2? Yeah. No, that's after Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, okay, they're, they're both like, pretty, yeah, they're really close to each other, aren't they? yeah um so it's just yeah it's bizarre that this is what came before it because yeah deadly blessing would have made way more sense yeah. of like oh, Christ. like the fact that this was sandwiched between them especially after watching deadly blessing mm. like the dna and like you say not even if you take away that one scene that's ridiculous yeah like just, just the rest of it, it you know you just kind of you know there's there's dream sequences there's 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 lots of kind of things that you could see that evolution and then yeah this is just a complete sidestep well and deadly blessing was so story heavy as well where you could tell mm. that was a, a direction that he was clearly trying to expand upon where hills of eyes and last test on the left are extremely basic in terms of the story it mm. is literally just here's an event against a group of people and has those people fighting back and that's literally the plot for both those films whereas deadly blessing has so much going on with so many different characters and laws and history um and then you go to this where and again, it's based upon existing property, which I know nothing about. Um, but it's an extremely basic story where it is just kind of this guy takes this thing. He then becomes this creature. And then the course of the next hour of the movie is mm. just Swamp Thing trying to protect Alice. And Alice is just a complete and utter damsel in distress throughout the whole movie. Um, and that phrase they even say in the movie multiple times, which mm. I found interesting, um, which is curious for her character, because in the first 30 minutes, she's not like that at all. She's no. very like focused and i was getting ripley vibes from her in the first 30 yeah, minutes of like oh she's gonna be the ass kicking lead in this film um and like early on she just like picks up a machine gun and just straight up murders a dude and yeah. i'm like oh she can handle herself and then for the next hour it was just her running constantly mm -hmm running towards the camera like that was most of what her role was in this film and and then being saved saved by the swamp thing so i found well, that to be a curious choice she was she was getting like more and more sexualized as the movie yeah. went on as well and and to the point that then the, the final act like her wardrobe change was just silly yeah you know? that's, and, it's worth mentioning yeah because it's yeah. so unbelievably obvious and, and yeah it just got out of hand where like like you say like she's very kind of you know, in in the opening scenes, it felt like she was a scientist with a military background, mm. and you know she was talking shit back to people. You know, the the doctor was kind of being this kind of, um, 
you know, coming on to her, even though they reference a wife, which is strange because then mm. they don't kind of reference it again. So I don't know whether what the hell that was about. But um, I think she was you know. joking, but I really yeah. don't know. I think she must have been because yeah. after what we got afterwards, but it was <laughs> weird. And then and then yeah, but she was really strong and like a strong woman. And yeah, then kind of like you say, when when it first kicks off, she fights back. And then, and then, yeah, she becomes, you know, she becomes the, the, the kind of stereotype and, and kind of becomes the absolute definition of that stereotype, you know, where she's getting rescued by everyone. And, and yeah, whenever there's any sort of, you know, kind of, like you say, fight or flight, she is just running away. And it, yeah, mm. it, it, it was strange when, when she started off so strong and yeah, yeah, I was getting Ripley vibes as well. Yeah, and like um, you mentioned, the way they sexualize her as the as the movie goes on is is mm. so bizarre. Like I was I was legit laughing because it was already yeah. outrageous how she just became this I'm gonna run from everyone and constantly be saved by Swamp Thing. Mm. But then we get to the scene of nudity, which was like I think one of the most gratuitous scenes I've ever seen in a film, and that's saying yeah. something because I've seen a lot of horror films. Well, it, and and one of the most gratuitous things I've ever seen in a Wes Craven movie, which is saying something. Yeah, like it's it's so out of nowhere, and it's just oh, I'm now topless in this swamp, splashing you know water on myself for no reason at all, other than like to titillate the audience. And it was it was just a bizarre choice. And then it for her to no then be, be even weaker throughout the movie, and like you say, they then put her in this ridiculous dress that is like got the most cleavage you've ever seen, and and it just I'm like, what are they trying to? Because it feels like a parody. That that was yeah. where I was kind of getting at. Is that well, there was there was one point where she gets stabbed in the chest and then the swamp yeah. thing kind of rubs some moss on her chest to make her better and i was just like <laughs> I, I i was obviously just like what is going on like you can't not watch this movie and and reference it if you're gonna like talk about it in detail because mm. it's, just, it's so strange and and especially like like we've touched on earlier like the the pg kind of versus the 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 more hardcore bit it was like he tricked people for like an hour because the first hour of the movie you've got kind of um basically the swamp thing jumping out of the water pushing people off boats or yeah. pulling people off boats and like i was like if i have to see him push another person off a boat i'm gonna go insane or my favorite um, scene in the whole movie him driving a boat oh into God, another was, boat was which beautiful. was one of the funniest two second shots i think i've ever seen i that had to rewind beautiful. it and watch it like four it was, times it was one of them things as well where i was like where's this got a bit of a budget here <laughs> yeah like, he's doing real practical explosions like the, the the actual like action in this movie is good like and there's yeah. a lot of it it's a very action-packed movie it's fun. Like, <laughs> yeah i had a good time like that's the thing like i haven't got into my thoughts on it but mm. i had a pretty good time like yeah i was laughing the swamp thing himself just looks hilarious like he, he just looks goddamn hilarious and like in a in a beautiful 80s prosthetic way where he's mm. like it's the most dry swamp thing i've ever seen in my life like it's <laughs> the most like that thing obviously got out in the sun and just dried up and it just that costume is not made to be like going water at all was it like no it's not like it's like oh we've made a we've made a non-waterproof costume like it's the most (laughs) non-camera friendly something outfit i've ever seen in my life like i absolutely love the long distance swamp thing walking through the swamp slash woods scenes that we got in this um they were throughout and then when the movie freeze framed on it at the end i uh, that made me so happy i loved every single one of them he was hilarious this one thing was hilarious and then but yeah like the first hour of this movie is that and and it's comic book shooting you know they're shooting this one thing and that you know there's no blood or green blood or anything he's just getting hit and and it's just it's just you know nothing Mm. and then and then suddenly like he just like crushes david like the way he takes him out is just like it's it's like he just pushes him into the ground and crushes him mm. and it's like you know that was suddenly bloody then we cut to the next scene that has like the over the top nudity then this next scene has a, like just all of the military people are having a yeah. weird orgy party yeah um, like this weird party where there's like someone doing a strip tease and then you know it was just it was just bizarre and I was like, what are these two scenes? I was so confused. And I was like, because, because yeah, about an hour in, I was thinking, how is this movie 15? Like, what's mm. the, why? 
and then and then it kind of gets back to the final act and the final act goes back into more of the comic booky stuff like it's it was just like where's craven had like a crazy 10 minutes yeah well like, and this does feel like um like we watched an unintended cut of the movie yeah, where it's yeah. like i would love to know I love it. Because clearly the 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 kind of orgy that you referenced was clearly not in the in the PG cut, oh. and I imagine the kind of um, the the bathing in the swamp scene was maybe doesn't just go on for five minutes. <laughs> it doesn't go on. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, doesn't go on for five minutes with with like multiple people watching her. Yeah, it doesn't like zoom in on her hilarious. chest. It probably is just shot from behind or something. Like, but like swamp thing is just straight up chilling watching her, and then like it cuts further back, and it was like a double pan. But then it cuts further back, and like the villain guy is like chilling watching her as well. And, and it cuts everyone, again, and Wes is just sitting there. <laughs> everyone just took a time out for ten minutes, and we're like, yeah. well, I guess we'll watch this, and then we'll carry on trying to kill each other." Oh, it like, is bizarre. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like overall, this was so weird. I. I went through so many different emotions from being like, this is dreadful to this is so entertaining. Um, yeah. and, and it's so hard to, because we're watching this with the 2021 lens. And I'm, it, I'm really curious how much was intentional because um, there is comic relief. There's a, a character, I think he's called Jude, who um, Alice meets later on, um, the kid yeah. at the gas station, who's really funny. And like, yeah. he's, he's intentionally funny. And I love that at the time because it made me laugh and it made me realize that I was allowed to laugh at the movie. Whereas mm. before I was laughing a lot, but I had that guilt of like, am I supposed to be laughing because the swamp thing looks like shit or I did know. they think this looked incredible <laughs> um so i was really torn and then once that happened that opened me up to the to the second half of the movie mm. to which points like when we get to the finale and then you fully understand that this is just a joke basically and you yeah. have the final fight between uh, the kind of arcane creature or whatever you want to call it versus swamp thing like it was so funny. I was dying watching was... this werewolf man with a sword fighting in a lake in this terrible oh. suit where he clearly couldn't see what the hell he was doing. <laughs> it was it was it was absolutely beautiful because like you got to like the the the, the party scene when, when mm. Swamp Thing and um, Cable are are captured and you get the Bruno character kind of gets tricked into drinking the liquid. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, we're getting more like monsters because kind of like early on, like, you know, you do get Swamp. I know it takes a while for him to become Swamp Thing, but as soon as he becomes Swamp Thing, you get him in the camera constantly. Mm. It's not like, oh, what does Swamp Thing look like? What does he look like? No, you straight up get him in the camera. Like, and so you get a lot of Swamp Thing on screen. And I was like, oh, okay, I wasn't sure whether we'd get that surprise, like slowly given to us or how that would work. Um, and I, I just wasn't expecting like anything else. I thought it would just be him and normal people. And then, yeah, suddenly we get to this party and um, yeah, the Bruno character, who's this big, you know, guy drinks the potion and then kind of in true house style mm. falls under the table and up pops like a what kind of half werewolf still like a, a kind of like a, a warthog type um uh like dwarf yeah like, like it was such, it was such like a weird little creature well, especially um, how they try and explain that in the story as well I like when it, they I really when they actually try and get into it it's so preposterous but yeah that was another great moment of just oh okay like i actually get it a bit more now because yeah. early on when it is just swamp thing wrecking people and it does like like i say the scene early on when he's driving the boat oh, and i'm man. dying of laughter I'm, I'm unclear at this point whether wes mm. thought that was funny or if he thought it looked badass and cool but then by the time you get to these ridiculous scenes at the end of the movie you're like oh okay they clearly knew what they were making here um yeah. and that made me enjoy it a hell of a lot more by the end of it because i was like this is dumb this is slocky it feels like a almost like traumas take on creature from the black lagoon mm. with like king kong elements to it and it's like no yeah. one's taking this seriously it's not a serious story and it doesn't have anything to say it's just here's a bunch of dumb monsters doing crazy shit and there's a lot of that in mm. this movie um which i found thoroughly entertaining for the most part so it was a yeah, it was a strange one, but I like what I feel like once I kind of got what this movie was about, and I think yeah. that's why going in, I never expected that from a Wes movie. Like, no. I don't watch any of his movies because they're like overtly bad in a funny way. Do you know what I mean? No, um, I thought I thought we'd get like 
Swamp Thing origin and then kind of a long time until we got the reveal of the creature. Mm. And it would be like a slow burn kind of, you know, but but comic booky style, but, you know, not... Yeah, I didn't expect, like, slapstick and pure kind of... Because, yeah, that, that creature battle, like you say, that there is nothing that we can talk about Wes as a director there. There's no direction <laughs> to that. It's, like you say, it's a guy in one suit where he was clearly 95% blind. <laughs> and in these kind of just ridiculously over-the-top suits with these ridiculous weapons, you know, like, they just had this obscure sword. And I was like, I really want that sword to have, like, you know, some sort of history, like, uh, uh, lineage. Mm. That they could they could go into like I feel like I feel like that sword is somehow in the Psycho Gorman universe to this day. Yeah. Um. And and yeah, it was just it was just it was just so bizarre. And but yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of how crappy and and just silly it was. Mm. Um. You know, when we get to our ranking, it will become difficult. But in terms of like, I haven't seen this Wes Craven movie, and like at this point, I'm pretty sure I have. There isn't a Wes Craven masterpiece out there that I haven't seen. <laughs> yeah. um, I think I think I'm pretty satisfied that yeah, okay, these are you know this is what I'm going to get. Um, but I had a great time, like you know, just just seeing this real dumb stuff. Um, you know, the only thing that I would say felt slightly Wes, apart from the kind of weird nudity, was um, the the soundtrack. Yeah, kind of didn't, didn't feel in the same tone as what the movie we were seeing you know this no. movie i was expecting more of kind of like this happy upbeat soundtrack where it was more of a haunting melody you know it, it was very similar to deadly blessing very similar yeah um to, to that kind of that soundtrack and and it, and, and it kind of shows potentially you know that kind of lineage through to nightmare on elm street that he's still kind of got that side of it but but that was about the only thing that felt like as as we are doing our hist- historical kind of run through Wes Craven, it was the only thing that felt like it was a through path, and everything else just felt like he just he just was um, enjoying a lot of substances, <laughs> had a good time with some people in suits. <laughs> yeah, and probably had a lot a good time with like a budget, you know, because yeah. clearly this yeah, had a bigger budget, a budget than anything well. else at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny you mentioned the soundtrack because yeah, it is from um, Harry Manfredini, who is kind of like a classic horror, you know, composer. Mostly the Friday the Thirteenth movies, but he did House and and loads of different other movies. Um, so yeah, that is one of the only things I do think you nailed it really where. Kind of when you try and view this as like a Wes Craven horror film, you know, whether or not it's even that is debatable. Um, and then kind of thinking about it in his pantheon of movies, you do see of like, OK, the soundtrack's there. And then there are these really unnecessary scenes of nudity. Um, but other than that, it's really hard to pinpoint because like I said, I don't think pretty much nothing about the direction stood out to me. Um, the fact that he wrote this is really surprising to me because it's so light on plot um especially coming off of deadly blessing and going into nightmare on elm street where it's just it's so basic it is just Mm. everything is a plot device to get funny uh, not just funny but like fun action-packed things on screen Mm. um which i think they do a good job of um and i did want to yeah go back to the whole man in a suit slash swamp thing effects one more time (laughs) because I was blown away with it. Like, I couldn't wrap my head around how bad it looked initially, where I was like, this is legit a man who looks like he's wearing a jumper and jeans under this outfit. It's so unbelievably bulky, the way he's moving around. Um, The way it's moving in one piece, like the folds above his legs when he's walking, where you can just tell it's this... It's basically a pair of overalls painted green with moss glued onto it. Like, that is literally what the effect is. And it's bizarre because, you know, we've talked about so many great effects recently, and I've been watching a lot of older movies recently that have held up in that department and it you was funny me, you're me that's what man suit didn't hold up <laughs> it was funny because they were even saying in the um in the in search of darkness documentaries where they were talking about there was a period of time when there was a lot of terrible horror movies coming out that had amazing effects and and mm. that was really interesting at the time and then you obviously get the mix of something like obviously american werewolf that is both a brilliant film with amazing effects and then you get something like this where it's just like these effects aren't good. I don't want to shit on it because I'm sure they worked very hard and I have no idea about their budgets or anything like that. But it's not 
good at all it's terrible but it's incredibly entertaining seeing this man walk around in this swamp you know scenes like him driving the boat just look so comical when he's doing anything remotely normal um i'll always get a kick out of that you know i wanted it to go psycho gore man and like when you were talking about the 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 um the dinner scene later on i really wanted him to be sitting there shackled with like a tuxedo on that that would have just been perfect um (laughs) because they just swear up yeah like (laughs) you know why not why not do it um for him exactly so that would have been so good but yeah it was a it was a bizarre movie you know but overall i was pretty entertained by it even though i don't think this movie is very good um but it was really entertaining um so yeah i guess we should go into our rankings now which is going to be pretty difficult based upon that conversation um but the ranking so far is number one scream number two scream four Number three, The Hills Have Eyes. Number four, The Last House on the Left. Number five, Scream 2. Number six, Scream 3. And number seven, Deadly Blessing. Um, so I feel like there's only really going to be one conversation here. Um, is, is it better than Scream 4 or just better? <laughs> <laughs> are we not going to go down each one let's start from the bottom rather than the top (laughs) to save everyone some time (laughs) um deadly blessing it's 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 so hard to compare these two movies oh god it is apples and oranges for sure like it's like it's like say it's so bizarre that these were the two movies he made back to back because they're so different in what they're trying to achieve and i think I wasn't a big fan of Deadly Blessing. I found a lot of it very boring. And mm. I don't think I really found anything of this boring. And I was I was definitely more entertained by Swamp Thing. Um, yeah. And if I had to watch another one of them again, it would definitely be Swamp Thing over Deadly Blessing. Having said that, like critically, I think acting was way better in Deadly Blessing. I thought the story yeah. was way better in Deadly Blessing. And I thought the directing was way better in Deadly Blessing. Um, mm. So... I don't really know. I don't feel strongly either way. Um, it is exactly how I feel. Because <laughs> I think looking at this, like I think I had a better time watching this than Deadly Blessing. Mm. But I think um, Deadly Blessing is a much better movie. Like you say, I think it's better made, better acted. I also think, you know, the, I, I thought the first like 45 minutes of Deadly Blessing like had the makings of a, something really good and it just mm. didn't fully capture it. Um and and but even kind of coming out of it like uh, yeah it's difficult because yeah personally i just had more fun seeing like these dumb creatures but uh, this movie's bad mm. like this movie is like one of these movies it's so bad it's good um yeah and, and so i struggle to put it above anything but in my own personal enjoyment i did enjoy it more than deadly blessing I did as well. And I think what we have to mention here is this is obviously our ranking of our Mm. personal favorite Wes Craven movies. This isn't supposed to be a critical, overtly critical look or anything like that. And there will be movies later on that I know are going to break this list in terms of our own personal enjoyment. (laughs) I don't Um, know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Just setting people up for that one. Um, But i yeah i'm not too fussed either way but i would personally put swamp thing above it because i was entertained by it a lot more than i was i'm happy with that i I just i think deadly blessing be again i shouldn't care too much but deadly blessing being dead oh sorry um swamp thing being deadly last a dead last when i was so thoroughly entertained by it just doesn't seem right even though again i want to specify i do think deadly blessing is a better made movie than swamp thing um yeah, I think so too. Just, just personally, it hit me right, and and I just had a laugh, you know. Yeah. And, and for that reason, but yeah, I don't feel strongly about either. Like, mm. um, you know, I think it as we've gone through this, it's very interesting that we're started so crazy mm. and strong, and then kind of has had this bit of a kind of weird, you know, phase where where like you know you, you kind of in my mind I was like, you know, Wes just went from like last house to hills to nightmare on elm street and mm. it's like no he he really didn't like he he had there was a big gap and and you know two whole movies that, that came out and it's yeah it, it is interesting 
Um, it's really interesting because, yeah, it isn't that usual trajectory that you would expect um, mm. from a director like this. And it is it can just show you how differently fortunes can change. Like I think I did. Uh, I was reading about Swamp Thing a little bit and there was discussions at the time that Wes was going to make a Superman movie because of the right. success of Swamp Thing. And that was something that he was interested in at the time. And then it just kind of fell through. And then he made a Nightmare on Elm Street. So it is just crazy how quickly things can turn around for a person. Um, mm, and yeah, it is wild having now seen these as like the precursor and watching them in order does just give you that different perspective, doesn't it? Where it's like, man, yeah. I've never, obviously I've seen Nightmare on Elm Street so many times and I cannot wait to watch it again soon. Um, but seeing it with this context of these mm. four movies before it, it just makes you realize like, man, what a goddamn yeah, film it was. Um, it's crazy. But uh, yeah, for now, that is the rankings. Eight films in the bag. Um, mm-hmm. That was very enjoyable. We'll obviously try and do these at least every sort of two months at a bare minimum, obviously, as uh, the movies start to pick up. But um, as we just alluded to, whenever we get around to this, probably in August, maybe, um, is going to be time to talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street, which is going to be very enjoyable. Um, and then wow. we're going to have to rank the movies gonna, at some point. That's going to be real fun. <laughs> yeah i bet you're looking forward to that ranking aren't you oh, that's a big one like <laughs> that's gonna be tough like, yeah like like just just watching nightmare on elm street and talking about it, it's gonna be you know fantastic because yeah that movie and that franchise is so important and yeah then mm. god knows like whether my heart or my head will take over at that point and, and i don't even know what the difference is between the two to be honest no it's so difficult like you're just comparing masterpieces at that point so yeah it's it gonna is, be a fun time i'm already having that dilemma because it's like the exact opposite of the week we had this week where we like yeah. we weren't really fussed it's like these two movies no, we're, they're we're gonna like, be around oh, the bottom deadly blessing or swamp thing i mean <laughs> who the hell cares but yeah where nightmare on elm street is gonna come into that like i genuinely don't know like i'm looking forward to watching it with this lens that we've got right now mm. and kind of yeah putting it in what feels right um you know it is what is a little bit difficult having those screen movies there because we've done that retrospective already like they're kind of so fixed (laughs) Mm. and um yeah we'll see what happens yeah exactly because it is better to just do it kind of like in the order they came out but Mm. obviously yeah we've already talked about the screen movies i'm not going to do that again um i'm sure we'll do that next year um but yeah for now that was our discussion on swamp thing uh we will take a short break and we will be right back So yeah, just to sort of finish this off this week, um, I have seen some more movies, in fact, um, yeah. continuing my current streak. I've been caning at the old films lately, and it's mm. been, I think it was the fact of, you know, earlier on in the year, it was just, you get in the spell where you get so down because there isn't new stuff to look forward to, and then it's funny how during this window of like seven new films is when I've actually been watching the most old films as well, <laughs> um, just because it's reignited my love, I guess, for film in a way, in a weird way. Um but yeah, I, I want to just very briefly mention a movie that I watched, but and then I'll go on to a proper discussion, um, which is that I watched Psycho Goreman again. Um, nice. <laughs> you mentioned it earlier on, so we had to mention it again. This was my fourth viewing overall and the <laughs> first time uh, with commentary. Um, nice. So I decided to just play the first commentary track because it's mm-hmm. free on the Blu-ray. Um, and it was with uh, Steve, the director. Nice. Uh, I think it was the director of photography. Um, and then the actor who plays right. Psycho Goreman, like physically, not the voice. Yeah. Um, and it was fantastic. It was very much what you expect from those three people, mm-hmm. which was a lot of stories about the actual filming um, mm-hmm. and the kind of day to day of like, you know, what they were doing on set and the problems and the things that went well and the things that didn't go well and all that sort of stuff so i loved it like i, I want to give a small little tease but i don't want to ruin the story for people that want to listen to it but there was if you love um shitting yourself stories really? there is a fantastic one regarding the actor who was in the suit for psycho Goreman, and i was dying of laughter hearing the story um <laughs> and it just adds yet another amazing dimension to this incredible movie um 
the only other thing as well i want to write about the commentary was they they filmed that this year um and they were i love the way they were talking about it especially with steve because he was talking a Did lot he about you know, pg1 constantly well, Bay, that was the that was the impression i got where it was mm. he kept saying if we do this again this is what i'd do different if i did and i was like I just feel like you know that you've got something here and he kept throwing out different ideas and backstories and plot and storylines and I was like man you're you're so buzzing with ideas and I just don't think this is finished um and so I've already said before but I just hope and pray that Shudder get behind this man and Mm -hmm. you know tv show film prequel sequel whatever the hell he wants like we need to live in a world where we get more Psycho Gore, man, because it is so incredible. And if you haven't watched this movie already, what the hell are you doing? Um, maybe we haven't talked about it specifically on a ranking Wes Craven episode. If you're someone that's only listened to these episodes, go mm-hmm. and watch Psycho Gore, man. It is one of the best movies of the year still um, and an absolute delight. Um, I think as well, just before you kind of move on to like the thing you're going to discuss a bit further, um, uh I was just going to say about I forgot to mention in the the, the the Blu-ray release that we saw a Swamp Thing. Yeah. The first of all, I thought it was a fantastic Blu-ray. It was. Um, yeah. The, the movie looked gorgeous, um, like way better than that movie should ever look. Um, but second of all, I noticed that there was a Wes Craven commentary. Yeah, there it. is. Yeah. I was I I was genuinely tempted to watch it for the first time with the Wes Craven commentary <laughs> because I was like, I don't know whether I'll ever go back and watch this movie, but my God, like a Wes Craven commentary for a movie, like that's that's awesome. Like I yeah, I, I was so shocked to see that on there. Well, especially with what we just said, where we mm. liked this movie for how dumb it was, but like I think my biggest disconnect with it was that it really didn't feel that yeah. way me so i would love to watch this with the commentary because then i would i feel like i'd get more of his perspective and how he made it his film because it is his film it just out of all the films we've watched this really didn't feel like a wes movie um so yeah it's interesting like might have to throw that on sometime just listen to it um it was was crazy and also yeah uh just to throw in weird movies that we just decided to watch because we love them (laughs) uh i I decided to watch one cut of the dead Hollywood edition again. Or in Hollywood <laughs> did you actually? Edition. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> nice. after, like literally after we filmed, uh, did our did our show on it. I was like, I think I'm just gonna stick this on again. Like, yeah. like really, just really had a good time. It's and, great. Like, it? Yeah, you just have to. You're like, it's, you know, it's just some. If a movie gives you joy, like. Mm like something that's like a more uh, gourmet or, or um, one cut does, then why not just stick it on? Yeah, they just are those perfect movies, aren't they? Like a hardcore Henry where it just, it puts me in a good mood whenever I watch them. Um, So they're always great. Um, But yeah, the other movie I watched was, uh, yeah, continuing my um, adventures of David Cronenberg um, (laughs) and and slowly becoming a fan of his. Um, I watched Videodrome, um, which I was very excited for. It was the one I was most excited for, actually, out of all of them, kind of reading a little bit about them. And um, I was very happy to say that this one massively delivered. Um, I absolutely loved this film. I thought it was a massive step up from Scanners in pretty much every way, really. Um, Kind of story I was way more into um have, have you seen this one at all no i haven't i haven't yeah so the, the story's fascinating because it's kind of this guy who works for this radio, uh, tv station this like very low budget shady tv station um mm. and he's trying to find cheap and interesting stuff to put on his tv station and obviously he's mostly looking for lewd content you know a lot of pornography and stuff like that and he's uh, along the course of it he's um he has this guy who picks up like signals from around the world and so they pick up this signal called videodrome which is this weird tv show which is basically a mix of torture and porn and murder and mutilation you know it's like watching hostel live essentially um and so he's like yeah this is the brand new thing and then kind of like it goes way further than that like i don't even want to get to how bizarre the movie gets um but it's very much about kind of like our desires what we get from watching you know tv all the time and the kind of titillation and it just it's it's so similar to they live in that like he was saying things about our obsession with tv way before it became a thing the way it is today and it was almost like the precursor for what then became like reality tv and like how people are literally killing themselves to be famous and 
I don't know. I feel like he just nailed like the context and the messages of the movie worked super well, but it was a thoroughly entertaining movie. All of the effects were incredible, like absolutely incredible. I do think it was um, oh, his name mistakes me now, but the guy who did not um, American Wolf in London, uh, Rick Baker. Um, I think it was Rick who did the the stuff on Videodrome. And right, it was just okay. it was fantastic. Some of the best stuff I've seen where it was so bizarre. It's mm. it's kind of like um, society. Yeah, yeah, it, it reminds me of society in a lot of ways where you see mm. just this weird imagery that you've never seen in anything else. Um, and I loved James Woods as the lead. Um, I loved Debbie Harry in a supporting role. I would say one of my only kind of complaints with the movie was that she is not in the movie enough. Like she kind of goes away from the movie for a while and then only makes other small appearances. And I feel like their on-screen chemistry was fantastic. And then he's kind of going it alone for the rest of the movie. Um but overall, I loved it. It was de- I would say this was only just below the fly for me in terms of like Cronenberg movies really? that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I thought this was fantastic. I would highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like, it's really nice having a um, a reason to watch these movies because I feel like we all get that feeling, don't we? Of like, we just have so many old films that we want to watch. And a lot of times we are just picking them at random, um, you know, like watching Nightbreed recently. And it was funny how that was what got me into Cronenberg. And now I'm on this whole Cronenberg kick. Um, but I'm really happy doing this. It's a really fun thing because it kind of gives you that different reasoning for watching them. Um, and I'm happy I started where I did of kind of like the early 80s Cronenberg. So I might go back and watch, obviously, like Shivers and Rabid and like the I earlier really stuff. Yeah, I will watch it for sure, having now, you know, watched these movies and really enjoyed them. But even seeing the step up from Scanners to Videodrome, like in, just in terms of budget and, yeah, like story and everything, I was I thought this was phenomenal, this movie. Um, and I really, really like Cronenberg as a director. It's funny that I spent so long thinking I didn't like him because I hated Crash. <laughs> Whereas, like, actually, he is... I always talk about how I want that perfect mix of science fiction and horror, and he's the guy, you know? Like, oh, yeah. he's done that more than anyone else. And, and obviously, that's what gets me so excited for his son brandon's career because with just one movie in possessor he has made like the most oh, cronenberg Christ. movie yeah. anyone's made since the 80s I forget about um, that movie. oh I'm, I'm like once i finish watching all these david movies that is going to be top of my list to rewatch, and i'm definitely gonna rewatch it before year end because yeah possessor is a fantastic movie um but yeah having a great time with these movies this was awesome uh next up is the dead zone um also in the 80s this one's kind of like a double banger really because not only is it a david cronenberg directed movie but it's from a stephen king story mm. um so it kind of ticks off both those boxes and i've not yet not seen that i know little to nothing about this one as well so i'll uh report on that one next week um but yeah very much enjoying these cronenberg movies it's been a great time um but uh I'm yeah stopped. That is pretty yeah, much I it for this week. Because there's a nice Arrow release as well, isn't there? Of that? There is indeed a Videodrome, mm. yeah. Mm. And there is a, one of the features is um, a roundtable, which was Mick Garris was moderating, and it was John Carpenter, John Landis, and David Cronenberg. And nice. the, the, the only thing that sucks is that it was only like 25 minutes long because it was fascinating as you could tell like it was it was pre-videodrome and pre um the thing for john carpenter so they were both talking about the production of those movies and then obviously john landis had just finished like american werewolf a couple of years prior Mm. and that was an incredible conversation talking about censorship in horror movies and themes and just yeah highly recommend that one of the best special features you could watch um so yes but it's all been great um so yeah kind of going forward for the podcast um slight change because we thought we were back in the cinema um soon Mm. um which we will be yeah we will be but not as soon as we thought because kind of yeah everywhere was saying the second of july for purge but turns out in classic distribution fashion uh we're getting shafted in the uk um because Mm -hmm. as of right now and it may change of course these things are subject to change um but I did some searching and it looks like it's coming out on the 16th of July. So for literally no reason at all, they're deciding to just delay the movie for two weeks, um, which I'm disappointed we're not going to the cinema. But I'm actually that um, we get to see now a movie that I'm actually more excited for, <laughs> um, yeah. which is the kind of the start of the Fear Street trilogy on Netflix. Um which I'm like, I'm low key excited for this. I think it's going to be interesting, you know. Like, I will obviously get into it more next week. But like, as someone who loves Goosebumps, like genuinely loves it, mm. and it really was a huge part of my childhood and getting me on this path of love and horror, the idea of like something like that, but obviously more adult orientated, and that seems to be what they're going for with this, with these trilogy of films on Netflix. Like, 
I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, yeah, I'm buzzed. Like, I, I'm really excited. Like, it sounds super cool. Um, it's weird the distribution that they've done for it, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's weird, but it's it's interesting, right? Like, it's mm, yeah, we haven't we haven't seen yeah we haven't seen like a trilogy of films released the week after each other, which is cool. And I think I, I'd only just now realised thinking about it because I'm pretty sure the dates. Obviously, the first one's 1994, mm. um, which is obviously when Scream came out, and then I believe the second one is 1978, which was Halloween. Right. Um, right. So I'm like, oh, okay, that that must be intentional. Like, I'm curious what they where they're going with this. If this is going to be like each movie has its own style, like is this going to be scream like the first one is it mm-hmm. going to be like a whodunit with a killer i don't know i genuinely don't know what to expect that's why i'm so excited for it um but yeah we'll have those to talk about in the coming weeks um but for now that was episode 254 where we discussed swamp thing uh thanks for listening as always and we'll see you again very soon see you later everyone I never could, how could I start that?